This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Glad to be with you this morning. Coming up this hour, what life has been like for COVID widows. Plus, we tell you about a new music venue called The Salt Shed that's coming to Chicago's old Morton Salt site. But first, we take a look at how the pandemic is affecting a group of people who need to be extra careful not to catch the virus. Seven million Americans are immunocompromised, meaning they have weakened immune systems. And for them, the lifting of some COVID restrictions is not welcome news. Joining us now is The Atlantic's Ed Yong. His latest piece is called The Millions of People Who Are Stuck in Pandemic Limbo. Hi, Ed. Hi, thanks for having me. Also with us is Dr. Emily Landon, infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago. Dr. Landon, welcome back. Hi, how are you? Doing well. And if you or someone you know is immunocompromised, tell us, how are you feeling about COVID restrictions starting to be phased out? You can share your thoughts at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, you can call us now at 866-915-WBEZ. Doctor, we've had you on the program several times during the pandemic to sort of help us make sense of COVID developments as they happen. But I'm wondering if you can start this time by sharing your own story about being immunocompromised. Yeah, I've been pretty open about the fact that I have rheumatoid arthritis and take medicines that help my immune system not to attack my joints, but that also makes it not as good at attacking other infections or at responding to vaccines. That means that I am in the same group that Ed wrote about in his wonderful piece of people that are not sure that they're really as low risk. Um, They're not going to walk away with an Omicold like some people did. Um, And that puts us in a really difficult position when these mitigation efforts, especially the large statewide mandates, are repealed. And it's really hard to know as a person like that for, for myself you know, it's it's hard to know whether or not you can trust the grocery store or the library or, you know, the you know, when you're going into a convenience store to, you know, the Target. And it makes people like me rely more on things like delivery services and 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 avoiding those things, which is fine when you have a lot of privilege and the ability and the money to pay for those kinds of things. But it just doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. And we need to con- while we don't necessarily need statewide mandates everywhere all the time, we do need to carve out accommodations for people like myself and others and treat them with the sort of special respect that we do for uh, people with other disabilities. So what's it like for you then? Uh, we talk about this difficult situation that folks are in. You're studying infectious diseases and you're also <laughs> immunocompromised. Yeah, I mean, I take care of patients with infectious diseases. Right. But the, the reality is that because of my unique position, I'm able to understand and have lots of training in how to use appropriate PPE and when is the time when it's important to keep your distance and what situations are going to be more safe and less safe. Not everybody has all of that knowledge. For me, it is. it was especially difficult uh, last summer when the CDC announced that vaccinated people didn't need to wear masks, and it was pretty evident that everyone was going to stop wearing masks. And it was so quick that no one had time to think about how they were going to handle people on the margins, individuals who couldn't yet be vaccinated, people who were immunocompromised, older people. And... Um, and the only way to handle it was just for everybody to stop wearing masks. And it was it was terrifying to me. I stopped going to grocery store. I wore my mask on the walks. I, I felt like I needed to stay inside more. Mm. And I, I lost a lot of the freedoms that I'd had before that. I mean, and it's, even before the pandemic, doctor, what, what kind of precautions were you taking then? 
Yeah, well, when you're immunocompromised, you have to take extra precautions. During flu season, you need to avoid, especially when the case rates are high, you need to avoid going out to parties and to, you know, restaurants and bars. You don't wash your hands a lot. You got to, you know, sometimes you may need to even wear a mask. People, there are a lot of people who are far more immunosuppressed than I am that need to really stay in all winter or kids that may not be able to go to school during the winter. Um, oftentimes, there are people who would, especially with respect to influenza, would take Tamiflu or other medications routinely all winter long to avoid getting Tamiflu. And I would keep track of my exposures and certainly had many courses of Tamiflu anytime I was exposed to somebody that had influenza in the winter time. And those are things that most Americans and most people don't have to think about and they don't at see all. it. It's not, yeah. it's not obvious to other people. Not at all. Well, Ed, let's bring you in here as a reminder to our listeners just expand on, on what the doctor was just talking about, what it means to be immunocompromised and how much more likely immunocompromised people are to get seriously sick from COVID than the general public. Yeah, um, I think one of the most important things um, from what Dr. Kleiner was saying is that um, you know, there's this common stereotype that immunocompromised people are uh, both rare, are rare or um, very visibly sick or like already secluding themselves in a bubble. None of that is true for the majority of them. Um, firstly, as you've said, there's seven, at least 7 million, and that number is likely to be an underestimate. So, you know, think like twice the population of Chicago and more. Um, most of them look healthy and most of them are just in society. Um, they have ways of mitigating their own risk. But, you know, they're around you. They're, they're, most of us probably have friends and colleagues who are immunocompromised, and we have no idea about it. So, you know, we can dispense with this idea that this is a group that's, like, very easily easy to seclude. We actually have to make accommodations that make society easier for them to live in, especially now that COVID exists. Um, the new coronavirus heightens the increased risk of infection that immunocompromised people were already having to deal with. Um, even now, with vaccines in play, many of them aren't making sufficient um, immune defenses after their shots, um, and they're left in this sort of state of uncertainty. Um, you know, it varies depending on the degree of the immunosuppression. So um, in one study of um, organ transplant recipients at one extreme, um, they were something like 80, more than 80 times more likely to get a breakthrough infection. Um, and their risk, if they did get an infection of being hospitalized, was about one in two, and their risk of dying was about one in 10. Wow. That's enormous. Um, for a lot of people, the risks are going to be lower, but they're still uncertain. And it's that uncertainty that is trapping a lot of um, folks in this position in the state of limbo while the rest of the um, country yeah. um, rushes headlong towards normal. And a reminder, we want to hear from you on this topic as well. So if you're immunocompromised or you know someone who is, tell us how you're feeling about the state of the pandemic right now. Our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Again, 866-915-WBEZ. Dr. Landon and Ed, let's hear from a caller who's been standing by. Here's Laura in Round Lake. Hi, Laura. Welcome to Reset. Hi, Sasha. Thank you for having me on. Sure. Are you immunocompromised? So, yeah. So my situation is that I also have a medical condition. I have multiple sclerosis that requires that I take medications that modify my immune system in a way that makes me much more susceptible to illness. 
and my feeling about this whole pandemic uh, response from the get-go, including vaccinations and certainly masking at this point, is that I'm just done. I'm just done with the world. Um, I, because of my health issues and circumstances surrounding uh, my abilities, mm -hmm. I was largely isolated before the pandemic. And now um, people are so um, mask-weary. You know, I, I, I'm fully vaccinated. I got COVID after I was fully vaccinated. Um, How did I don't that go? go anywhere with that. Well, fortunately for me, like I said, I was already vaccinated. So it was not at all pretty. It was about two weeks of pretty much being in bed. And then I had to do some pretty intense rehabilitation after that, which okay. fortunately I was able to access. So I'm doing well at this point. Um, I'm very grateful for that. I feel very fortunate. Um, but I don't go anywhere without double masking or wearing an N95 yeah. mask. Um, and all I, all I do is I go like to physical therapy and the grocery store and maybe to like a Home Depot or something. And I can't go anywhere without seeing people improperly wearing their, their masks. Yeah. Well, Laura, I appreciate you calling in. I'm so sorry to hear that the experience has been like this for you. But Dr. Landon, it sounds very familiar to, to what you were mentioning before. Laura seems quite discouraged at this point. She says she's done with this pandemic. Tell us, yeah. why is it, it exactly that, that folks who are immunocompromised, uh, that they don't respond well to the COVID vaccine? And, and talk more about what she was saying, that the psychological effects of this. So anyone who needs to have their immune system modified in order to avoid their immune system harming them in some way, either because it has cancer or because it is attacking a new organ or because it's attacking it's an autoimmune condition like MS or RA, um, you, the medicines need to slow your immune system down. And that means you just don't have as much immunity as other people do. And that means that what is a cold for someone else becomes two weeks in bed followed by acute rehab, which I think if most Americans had the experience of COVID where the best case was that they got lots of vaccinations and then they had two weeks in bed and, and an acute rehab stay, that would be, people would be much more keen on wearing their masks. Yeah. And I understand that we can't just have mask mandates all the time, everywhere for every single person. But I also think that businesses, municipalities, organizations need to do more. Grocery stores need to go back to having hours in the morning where elderly or higher risk individuals like immunocompromised people can come in and they're going to enforce a mask mandate. They can have mask free time the rest of the day, but why can't they have a few hours where people can shop that need extra protection? Mm -hmm. Why can't the library have a special checkout line for people that need to wear masks? Why can't we have, why can't pharmacies just keep their mask mandate in place since that's a place where vulnerable people have got to go? And many of the people that are coming into a pharmacy are in some way vulnerable. Yeah. You know, this, these are not for state mandates. This is what we should be doing as a country. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, our country has been woefully inadequate at addressing the needs of people on the margins, whether they're elderly, young children, or immunocompromised. And how has this Omicron surge been different for immunocompromised people? Well, the good news is because... That... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ed. Um, I, I think one thing that's really changed is that um, a lot of people now feel that they're being increasingly dismissed 
And because of this common narrative that Omicron is mild, which is just simply not true um, for a lot of immunocompromised folks, um, a lot of the people I've interviewed have been told by their friends, their families, their colleagues that COVID is over, that they are being um, irrational. And, and I think that really hurts. Like, the, the risk of infection would already be a lot to bear. But the mockery and disdain from other people who don't face the same high risk is what has made these last few months truly unbearable for mm. a lot of the people I've talked to. It feels like they're being told by the people around them that their lives just don't matter. And some of them have been explicitly told that. Um, you know, the, the, in terms of things that we should do, um, Dr. Flanders is completely right. There are structural solutions that need to be put in place. And when I asked immunocompromised people what they want, in terms of things that individual people can do for them, by far the most common answer I heard was just have a heart. For pity's sake, don't denigrate our worth and our choices mm -hmm. to our faces. What kind of societal changes um, do they want to see? I, I know you wrote about better ventilation standards. Yep. So better ventilation standards, um, social support systems like paid sick leave, um, better access to health care, um, some treatment um, like um, Evershells and antibody cocktail could make a lot of difference to people in terms of um, uh, standing in for the antibodies their bodies aren't making themselves but are inequitably distributed. It's really hard for a lot of immunocompromised people to get their hands on these medicines and few, too few doses exist, which exacerbate the feeling that they've been um, abandoned by their government who could put in the same efforts of distributing these medicines that they put into distributing vaccines. All of these measures, the better testing, better ventilation, equitable access to medicines, these are things that would benefit um, immunocompetent people too. They're things that are good for all of society. So it's bizarre that we don't put them in. And even if, like, you don't buy the moral argument for doing this to protect the most vulnerable among us, let's just not forget that aging also weakens the immune system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, caring for immunocompromised people isn't about, like, disproportionately accommodating to some other group. It's really about empathizing with your future self and putting in the, precaution, the, the systems that all of us are going to benefit from as we get older. Let's hear from another caller. Here's Jeff in Lincoln Square. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to Reset. Hey, thanks for having me. What are your thoughts? My, uh, my, my thoughts are really that, you know, and you were the, the speaker was just sort of alluding to this. We need to create this world where we're coexisting with this virus and we're coexisting in a way that immunocompromised people can go about their lives and, and functioning in a normal capacity. So I'm immunocompromised. I'm undergoing treatment for cancer. And the uncertainty is really what, what, what terrifies you the most. I just, we spent two years really trying to be extremely careful. Uh, the entire family ended up getting COVID um, from my daughter who got it from school. So there's an, a huge vector that's, you know, making us nervous. But the, the reality is, even though I had a mild case of COVID, there's no guarantee that the next case is going to be mild. And there's just this sort of lack of empathy generally around immunocompromised people that are at higher risk and what that means. I had to end a friendship because, you know, I was basically told like, hey, I'm not responsible for you. You're not responsible for me. So we should just live our lives. And it's like, wow. well, 
that doesn't really feel like a friendship, right? That doesn't mean you're a terrible person, right? Like, you know, that's your opinion. But, like, if wearing a mask is too um, burdensome for you because you just don't like it, and and the cost of that is my potential health or death, you know, how are we actually friends? So it's creating all of these sort of rifts and divisions in a way that just isn't, um, I don't know, you would think we would come together greater in a pandemic-like situation. Such a valid point, Jeff. Sorry you had to go through that, but thanks for sharing. Appreciate you calling. No problem. Thanks. Here's Joseph from Naperville. Hi, Joseph. Thanks for waiting. Oh. I think we've lost Joseph. Uh, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you are just tuning in, let me fill you in. We are talking to infectious disease specialist Dr. Emily Landon, also with us Atlantic staff writer Ed Young. We're discussing how immunocompromised people are faring right now, and we're inviting your thoughts as well on this as well. So if you are immunocompromised or a loved one is, talk to us about how you're navigating this stage of the pandemic and how you feel about Illinois relaxing mask and vaccine card mandates as well. Our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Again, 866-915-WBEZ. Dr. Landon, a lot there. I, I want you to weigh in on, on some of the thoughts that we just heard. Um, and, and Ed talked earlier about some of the misconceptions about folks who are immunocompromised. So if you can piggyback on that as well. Yeah, I just, I the last caller was just it struck a, a real chord with yeah, me. that broken is, friendship this, conversation is is real it is you know i i see the mask protest and i understand that people think that they're arguing on behalf of freedom but i can't it, it just I, it can't it can't meet with me in that way the, the what i see when i see that is just an, an unbelievable heartlessness just this idea that wearing a mask is so much of a burden for you that it is too much it's it's more of a burden than my health or my life is 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 too much it's too much for me to it's been that's been one of the hardest parts of the pandemic for me i mean i have to i get asked questions about this by the media i talk about it i argue about these things i you know i'm I'm in the the public sphere about this and i look completely normal and healthy and i'm a doctor but i'm not i you know i'm also this person who hears people you know, tweet me on Twitter or who ask me questions on phone calls and they're like, why can't we just go back to normal? This is over. You know, you're totally blowing this out of proportion. And I I think you do not have a heart. Where did we go wrong? Where did we end up in a place where people were so upset about having to wear masks for a couple more months until the rates are actually low enough to to be able to remove them yeah um that that's so hard that they they put that before my health and my life Hmm. it just feels like it feels very personal for me and i think um i you know i honestly don't think that a lot of people want other people to die of COVID. i i i think those people are few and far between i think they honestly believe that it's just not that bad and i think they haven't seen what immunocompromised people have seen what healthcare providers have seen Mm -hmm. um and i think it is they're focused on themselves, yeah, doctor. Sorry. They're focused on themselves in a lot of cases. And and I I I know that's what it is, but it's more it's more than that, Sasha. It's more than that. They're asking for everybody to be able to stay. They're asking on behalf of everybody that we need to have freedom from these oppressive masks in order to live in a better country. And it's kind of the opposite of what 
is actually a better place. You know, it is very ableist. It's ex it's almost eugenics. And I know I know Ed mentioned that in his piece, and and I think that's right. I think there are some people who are are on the edge of that. That it's 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 okay if some people get sick and die. We're going to tolerate a certain number, and that's you know probably true yeah um but what is that number and is it really a million americans yeah well you know ed back to your piece and the the folks you talked with how have they described for you the the return to in-person activities like work and school and and social gatherings how has that yeah. affected the immunocompromised yeah, as, as Dr. London said, some people are casting this as a return to freedom. For them, it's a collapse of their freedom. Um, you know, these measures that supposedly restore normalcy to everyone is actually stripping it away from a lot of people in this boat because it makes it harder for them to go into the spaces that um, Dr. London mentioned, pharmacies, libraries, um, grocery stores. It closes them out from the world. And to be very clear, you know, no one I talked to wanted like a permanent lockdown. They want their lives back too. They want to be out in society, but they can't do it unless, you know, if a very dangerous virus is allowed to run amok with no accommodations for them. And that's the thing. That's the thing of it. There's been so much um, like stereotyping and, and, and rhetoric around how immunocompromised people are holding back the rest of society. It's completely the opposite. It's the rest of society dragging immunocompromised people back into a position where they have to reintegrate with no consideration of their risk. Um, one person, um, Vivian Chung, who's a, a scientist and also is an autoimmune disorder, said this, that it was like um, being unable to swim and being asked to jump into the ocean instead of trying out a pool. Um, and it's not what, one of the difficult things is that for the last two years, a lot of them have um, enjoyed the fruits of a, a more flexible society, not necessarily a more restricted one, but a more flexible one with remote options in schooling, in work, um, friends who are willing to like engage virtually with them. And a lot of those options are disappearing. Um, you know, people have talked about feeling lonely because they're their friends um, won't Zoom with them anymore. People um, talked about feeling really, really scared because their employers are making them go back to work with no thought to their risk. And, and that's part of the, the problem. It's not, that, um, it's not that they're asking for the world. It's not, it's not that they're asking for the world to be bent to them. It's that they're asking for the world to accommodate them, to make actually quite small um, concessions mm -hmm to their heightened risk of infection. And the idea that those concessions simply aren't even being put on the table, that their, their needs aren't being put on the table at all, um, is adding to that feeling of alienation and, and abandonment. Doctor, we got a question from Arlene who didn't want to go on the air, so I'll just read it. Uh, she says, I've been living in isolation for two years because I can't get vaxxed. I have longstanding hearing problems, and I've heard that the vaccine can make hearing problems worse. What should I do? Well, I think you should get a second opinion because the, the, there's no evidence and there have been almost no reports of hearing changes from the vaccine. So I strongly recommend that whoever gave you that advice that you need to talk. I don't know your specific medical problem, Arlene. And so I could be, you know, we, uh, this is a generalized question and there could be more specifics that I'm, that, you know, there may be some 
some uh, some credit to. But I strongly recommend that you get a second opinion about the vaccine because there are very few people who actually can't get vaccinated. And if you have any medical problems that are that put you at higher risk for COVID, but that don't affect your ability to respond to the vaccine, then the vaccine is 100% the way to go because it's really going to protect you. It provides a real nice security thick blanket. And I think for people who are hearing impaired, you know, it really does help to have the masks on. And I, and I think it's hard for individuals who are immunocompromised to begin to accept when things are better either as well, because there's been no real discussion about what's going to be done to accommodate people like us, the, the little things that can be done to help make it safer when we need those things, when yeah. we don't need those things. And that's where we need to start creating a narrative and creating policies and, and having better conversations with people that when the cases are low, it is a lot safer for you. But there are some places where you still need to be careful. And that's a lot for people to begin to understand. Yeah. It's a new whole new world out there. And it we is. have to start addressing it. Let's hear from one final caller. Here's Seth in Crystal Lake. Hey, Seth. Welcome to Reset. Hey, how are you? Thank you very much. Um, I'm calling. So I was recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and will be starting a treatment that will deplete some of my immune system. And one of the major concerns that I have is my wife and I also have a, a young child that's going to be starting daycare very soon. Um, unfortunately, I'm not able to take care of him at home. But, you know, work happens. And the the scary aspect of that is that these daycares are closing down you know, multiple times a year as they have various COVID outbreaks. And I feel like I don't have much of a choice. He's got to go to daycare. Mm -hmm. But with me being immunocompromised, not only am I concerned that, A, he might contract something, mm -hmm. but bring it back to me back. and how I'm going to deal with that. Okay. Let's let's have the doctor weigh in. Quick response, Dr. Landon. Uh, you're between a rock and a hard place. There's not a lot of great answers. We need to do a better job of supporting people like you. You need some sort of in-home. You, what you really need is a nanny that you can rely on, but that's probably out of reach financially. It is for many people. And and. I think your best bet is to find a daycare that you can work with that has small groups that you can talk to about mask wearing that you can um, that you can explain your situation to and where you know that they have great policy, the best policies that they can have for keeping the kids safe. One that has a good track record of not yeah. uh, closing very often. That's the best advice I can give you. If you did not get through, I see some of you waiting to to get on. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I encourage you, leave us a voicemail, 888-915-9945. Again, 888-915-9945. And we'll play your thoughts tomorrow on Reset. We've been speaking with Dr. Emily Landon, infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago, and Ed Young, staff writer at The Atlantic. Thank you both, and thank you for the calls. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.